Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. We uh, we appreciate you coming. And as always, if you see something in this episode that you uh, you can take something away from it, if it's any kind of good gouge that you can walk away from and there's somebody that you know uh, to share it with, we ask you to do that. That's all we ask. Share it out there. Get the information passed. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump into it. A while ago, while, re- while recording with John Wayne Williams, I was introduced to a very humble man, a man who did not gloat about himself and his accomplishments. A man that until the end of that very night remained soft-spoken and almost with a California bro twang. There was something about men of war who have seen real combat that resonates in them. Something identifiable instantly to those of us with similar pasts. It's in the eyes. Eyes that seem to be far less innocent than they were in past days. To a past that most cannot explain or even empathize with. In the following days and conversations, I began to learn about this man I had met, and I was told he was somebody that needed to be on the show. I thought, what does it mean when somebody says that you need to be heard? To me, it means that person has something to offer the world, uh, some bit of information that can add to, not take away from current preparations, Uh, preparations. Close friends whom I trust recommended this man as a true leader of Marines and one of the best snipers that they'd ever served with. And his name is Alex Tryon. As it turns out, Alex was nominated to be the Scout Sniper of the Year by his parent command in 2019. And I will share some of his uh, commendations from his command and the nomination letters just to give everybody an idea of the type of person, the type of Marine, the type of leader that you're dealing with. Uh, It says here, this is from his commanding officer at the time to the members of the board. Sergeant Tryon has time and time again demonstrated his superior depth of knowledge in the skills and field craft associated with the sniper community. In addition to his impressive professional development and self-study, Sergeant Tryon spends hours continuing to refine his skills to teach those that are in his charge. He is a living embodiment that best teachers are first and foremost good students, and Sergeant Tryon never stops learning. Sergeant Tryon has significant operational experience, which is becoming increasingly rare these days. On multiple occasions during our most recent combat deployment, he was able to apply his years of training and practices when called upon, and the lethal results are best known by his adversaries. His combat abilities go well beyond the sniper community, though. He is an accomplished and proficient tacticianer, or tactician in any environment with any weapon system and has exhibited more mastery of the profession of arms than any, other, uh, any of his peers that I have observed. He goes on and on. 
another commendation, this time from his platoon sergeant, uh, Dave Mortensen. <coughs> Excuse me. Sergeant Tryon had many successful accomplishments in 2018. Our deployment to one of the most kinetic areas in Syria enabled him to apply his skill set and shine great light onto the scout sniper community. During our deployment, Sergeant Tryon was responsible for conducting 18 security and contact patrols, traveling over 1.2 clicks as a vehicle commander. Our Marines augmented the Special Forces Operation Detachment Alpha to forward mortar, mortar firing positions. Sergeant Tryon volunteered to go on every mission possible. He managed to conduct nine operations totaling over 100 hours of recon and surveillance that provided targeting data for the uh, Detachment Alpha team and plot enemy movement, ISIS command and control nodes, possible enemy positions, logistics hubs, and enemy headquarters. Additionally, he assisted by firing over 400 rounds of 81mm mortars and 120mm mortars, uh, contributing to the 28 enemy killed in action and 18 enemy wounded in action achieved from our combined teams. During the last days in Syria, our patrol base received 250 rounds of accurate enemy indirect fire. Sergeant Tryon displayed courage by scanning his sector throughout the barrages. Through his devotion to duty, he was able to identify and kill an enemy forward observer with a sasser at 1,400 meters from his position, who was attempting to escape, to escape on his motorcycle. The following day, the SV bid attempted to breach the ECP. Sergeant Tryon assisted in fixing that SV bid in place with a sasser until a javelin was able to destroy the vehicle. And that gives you an idea of the one and only Sergeant Alex Tryon. And he's here tonight to shed some knowledge out and uh, kind of hang out and have a good time. So thanks for coming out, man. And that's a pretty impressive read-in and an impressive career. Um, and, and I want to get to it, but we'll kind of – Kind of start at the beginning, but thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate uh, having you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to get to know how all of this was formed in this uh, this man we read about in award pages and uh, commendations, how's it start? I like to go back to know, like, especially childhood, um, uh, just start there. Well, I grew up in a small town in uh, uh, Ohio, Cortland. It's uh, northeast, uh, just on the Pennsylvania border. Uh, my mom and dad uh, divorced some uh, separated family around about when I was seven years old. Uh, my mom worked really hard. I have, you know, three other siblings. I'm an identical twin. I got my brother Chris, uh, my two older sisters. Yeah, that was always fun. Like, <laughs> The end twin was a crazy time. Uh, it was cool too. Different experience. We're polar opposites, but we get along. Do uh, you have the twin intuition? Yeah, you can yeah. probably uh, you can probably tell I'm doing something weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hear about play, it later. You play tricks on your teachers and stuff. Actually, yeah. There's always some like there's always contention, especially as we like got older. We actually looked more similar. <laughs> And I remember having classes, like, back in the day, it was, like, either back-to-back -back, or I'd have the same classes with him, and, like, or he would have just had a class, I'd go in for one, and the teacher's like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> like I'm here for history. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get some learning on. Right, and he's just like, I'm not having it. 
like, cool, yeah, you're not the first kid coming here and tell me he's a twin. And then, like, he sees my brother, and he's just like, oh, so I am, like, in the wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys purposely, like, uh, dressed in the same outfits and stuff to, um, to fuck with people? I think it was, like, a little cliche to do, but I think maybe when we were younger, since we were forced to do it so much, I think <laughs> I think for us it lost, like, the the appeal. But maybe nowadays I'd be, like, quite keen to, to messing with people in that sense. Mm. What about, like, hairdos and stuff? Man, I I can't say. I mean, you, yeah, come on. Like, come I on. Really... Did you ever trip your parents out? Did they ever? Did they ever mess it up? My mom did admit for the longest time for like probably like I, I probably could have been could have been a year for all I know. But like for like almost the first at least seven or eight months, they left the wristbands on when we were born. In. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think anything beyond that might have been like. <laughs> Cutting circulation off and on my hand or something, you know. Like, I'll figure these kids out. She always jokes. She's like, "There's plenty of times you kids fall out of the crib. You know, it could be, you know, you could have got swapped." I was like, "What?" (laughs) She's, she's like, "We'd never know." I'm like, "Wow, cool. Like, that's great thought." (laughs) So my name might my name might be might be Chris. You know, this whole time (laughs) living someone else's life my whole life and not know it. I don't even know who I am anymore. Right, constantly so lost. The struggle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check. So you said you have an identical twin, and then how other siblings? Yeah, I got two older sisters. Uh, one's thirty-four, the other one's thirty-two. Uh, you know, they're both married. They, you know, harvested children. So I got <laughs> like five nephews and one. Uh, one niece out of out of them, which you know they're all worth. You know, kids are great, so I I get to hang out and see them all the time. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So high school, where you, were you at in high school? Uh, in regards to location wise, same place. Same place. Yeah, I was like uh, Lakeview High School. Okay. It's it's you know in, right there in Cortland. I did you know Lakeview School District pretty much my entire life from like preschool on up. Check. Uh, it's pretty good trash there. I mean, <laughs> pretty solid. No reason to leave yeah. it. Did you play sports? On and off. I, I did. I was forced into baseball, which is why I, you know I have a contention with that now. But you know, I, I enjoyed sports. It was still fun. The only thing I wasn't allowed to play was uh, football. For some reason, my size. I yeah. You know, I don't figure. I didn't figure it out. I, mean, I was too to play football to me. That's what maybe in middle school now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like size is like the biggest contention there. So you know, I did you know a lot of track. And I played basketball. I did soccer for a good bit too. Like you uh-huh. know, anything to stay active. I I liked it though. Sports were fun. And hunting, fishing, anything like that. Uh, I didn't get to hunt as nearly as much as I wanted to. But I re- I I probably spent you know every other day down at the lake with my buddy, you know, uh, Joey and Justin, like that was like our thing. Like, I think I, you know, pack my, my rod and reel half the time. We just leave from school sometimes yeah, yeah. during lunch. Like, let's go fish. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, big, we just live right by a lake. Okay. Pick it back up. Uh, so what was the catalyst to your service? You getting, getting into high school, you got a little bit of athletics on and off. And then what's the catalyst? Uh, I think I honestly, since I was like knee high to a duck, uh, the only thing I revisioned was being like a, a scout sniper, like a sniper. What's the earliest memory of that? I don't know. Cause I, there's pictures of me when I was like eight years old for Christmas and I wanted a ghillie suit. I'm laying in my front yard. Yes. Like, Oh, I still have that thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's hokey. It's That's really awesome. hokey. 
So it was just what you were. I have paper. I mean, I have papers on it. Like from like in middle school, I still have those papers. Like back home, my mom pulls them out and she's like, "Remember you had to write a report on the job you had to do?" And I was like, "The only there's like three kids maybe that joined the military out of my high school, and like uh, two of them were Marines." So it was like cool. So yeah, it was like that was just what I wanted to do. And then you know the war that happened nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember you know being grade school. Well, maybe not grade school, I was in middle school. I remember, you know, sitting in class and putting that on. And I was like, Phew. now did that did that impact you still, even at that age? I didn't think it was going to go on as I didn't think it was going to go on as long as it did. And then it was like, okay, cool, this is my chance. Definitely, like this is the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like this is if anything reinforces it. Because I, was, I tried college out for everyone else's sake. Um, and I was miserable. You know, I got a horrible grades. I had no ambition to it. I had no purpose to it. I was just like, so that was 2008. And then I dept in or in 2009. And I was like, yeah, I left, I left for boot camp in 2010. That was like the best decision I'd made. Cause I was like, I didn't, I had to do it. It was like my life dream. I was like, you're I talking about Afghanistan heating up right at that moment. I guess yeah, I would have been. Would have been saying it would have been ten. Yeah. But they had uh, man things. Yeah, I and I didn't hear a lot about any of that stuff for a while until you know I got in and then yeah, I was one of the guys for the. They did that like kind of surge thing, so like it was fairly easy, but infantry contracts were really hard to get. Uh, they're like, oh, you could, you could be a tanker. You could be an AV bubba. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really what I wanted to do. So they're like, well, if you want to go infantry, you can do a fast company contract. I was like, oh, what's that all about? They're like, you know, imagine if the Marine Corps had a SWAT team. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get that, yes. ja- you get that jazz, and you're like, sounds cool. I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I did that route. And so you're a Paris Island Marine. Yes. Yeah. Straight from Ohio down to there, Paris Island. It was a pretty good time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Uh, it wasn't ex- it wasn't what I expected, but it was at the same time. Uh, probably some of the silliest shit I think I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> a grown man acting like a cat chasing a light definitely was like something that's gonna stick with me for a while. It's <laughs> been probably the meow part of it. <laughs> So yeah, no, that was a uh, that was an interesting interesting go into it. I was like, all right, yeah, this is this is fun. Was was there anything that was difficult about boot camp to you? Um, learning bearing. <laughs> Check. No, there's there's honestly probably a lot more a lot more to it that was that was demanding, but I think. You know, it was like, yeah, getting a mentality down or at least fortifying whatever mentality I already had there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, also bearing. And did you have family that was service or no? So this is crazy. I actually have a long family history dating back to, like, World War One, and then some other people that participated in the Mexican-American War. Like, I have a long-standing family history of the military that I knew nothing about until I was in. Wow. Um, I reconnected with my great 
great uncle, well, my great uncle, he's 83 and he has the service record of every Tryon that had served like prior to, and it was actually, I had, I had no idea. And, you know, I think it was, uh, 80% of us are all Marines. Hmm. At least the ones that did the cool stuff. Any snipers other than you? Uh, no, but there are other tryons that are snipers, and I haven't figured out where they land necessarily on the family bloodline because there are other ones. Uh, one of my old gunners, one of his team leaders, I guess, was a, was a tryon, and I haven't found out who he is yet. So. I know when I graduated boot camp in 2004, the brigadier general in charge of... There's a relation there. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, and I, I ran into another guy. Another guy with the actually shares my brother's exact name, Christopher. You know, middle name was the same and everything. They, uh, he looked like I did. He he looked like me too. It was weird, but he checked into Joker Company, same same one I had left when I was in Fifth Marines, and it was like they're like, hey, did you, you know what happened? Are you? I thought you were you know still in you know snipers, and I was like, yeah, you know, I am. Like oh well we see your name on the inbound roster and I was like, it's like my first name is Alex you know and it says Chris on it and I was like that's my brother's name and I met this guy he was a really cool dude he's he was in one five before he, you know he went over to uh, eighth and I and he ran into our like that that tryon and used <laughs> to hang out with them so they connected there so yeah we're There's a bunch of tryons running around too many too many tryons too many tryons not enough Indians. <laughs> so you so you leave boot camp and go to like a BSG? Uh, I did after I did SOI here uh-huh. uh, down in Lejeune, but yeah, after that I was up to good old Northwest Annex. Yep, SOI BSG, and then you land in a fast company somewhere. Third fast over there in Norfolk, okay, uh, or Charlie. I think it would have been Carl Charlie then. I've been in the naming convention for it. Mm. Fourth platoon. It's a good time. Yeah, and one thing that I was a fast Marine too, so was Matt uh, originally. And one thing that is for certain is they have a good budget for 40 dudes. And they get the ammo allocation of a battalion worth of of Marines and uh, schools like AUC and Hearstmaster and HRP defensive drivings. And you can get some great training if you have the right elements. And so like your parent command at fast, was it a good motivated group that had you training and had you out or, or you know or did because you know what else that you know it could be uh absolutely and i know a lot of it is you know platoon leadership driven and at that point you know you have a platoon commander that's a captain mm-hmm. this guy's been in for at least 12 years he knows what's going on you have at that time you know your sergeant's been in for 12 years that was like a normal thing like 12 year sergeant wasn't anything crazy those are your squad leaders your platoon sergeant has been in for 15 you know what i mean like you had such a senior level leader leadership and they were all tracking and that was my first impression of the marine corps and it was like i had guys from hawaii i had guys from the west coast and i you know guys from east coast and that was when i really realized like wow i'm learning how to do one task three different ways and it was nice because if this way didn't work for this situation, I had the other two. It was great. And I realized that that's that culminating knowledge. I started to realize culminating knowledge is very important. Mm. Um, yeah. So I had them and then, yeah, the, it was, it was like the ammo allotment. I was like, wow, like this is what we shoot like all the time. Cause it was like every Monday it felt like we were in the field. We came back on that Friday, early Friday, 
did your little, you know, maintenance and all the rest, knocked out your maintenance day, went on leave, came or <laughs> went on your weekend, came back. Monday, you're prepping to go back to the field, and it seemed like you were always doing something. Mm. And I was like, wow, like, this mm. is cool. Sometimes it felt like you had more ammo than you could shoot. It was amazing. I was like, this is this is cool. This is, like, what it's all about. Um, you know, and then I got, uh, I left there after, well, I didn't even have to do the, two full, uh, the full two years. We actually got to leave a little early. Mm. I think it was, like, at a year and seven months or so. And then I checked into uh, 2-4. That was like 2012. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was like vastly different. Now, were you... Um, when, when I was in Fast, we cross-trained on like the 50, the 240, the... I don't know about the mark, but we also had designated mark. marksman training. Yep. Uh, M85, the, the combat shotgun, and then sidearms. So yeah. Yeah, yep. there you go. We got all that one still. So you were all... We did a non-lethal portion for a little bit, uh, but yeah, we did. We it would have been non-lethal. We did the the OC spray. Mm. Oh my god! Best day of my life. Yeah, yeah. How'd you think like that? Like I was bobbing for apples in a deep fryer. Um, yeah. I tell people frequently that I have the cert still, and they oh, spelled dude. my name wrong. Is the only time I, I ever, the only time I ever really cared to be like <laughs> I'll change my name back because normally people call me Tyrone and I don't care. It's kind of silly. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, sounds good. But this one, when I saw it was wrong, I was like, no, like this one needs to be fixed. <laughs> I'm holding it on. I'm holding on in this forever. I still have it. Oh, dude. I, I don't know if I have mine or not, but I should. Oh. I know that I tell people frequently of the two things in the Marine Corps that were as bad as they said they were. OC is one of them. Yeah. OC was one of those 100%. things that was not only as bad as, but, but far, far worse. What was the other one? Marja was way worse than I was. Somebody told you that beforehand. What we anticipated that. What's that? Oh, uh, okay. I see yeah, they now. they said there would be X and our resistance took longer. But OC spray, I think maybe it was worse than Marja. It's possible. I had a hard time with it. Oof. So like I buzzed a, through the course and then it was just anger because it was like July and a yep. hundred yep. fucking degrees You're out sweating. with like no breeze. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. It was actually better that it was July for us as well because we were sweating so much, it pushed more of it out. Because that, the guys that did it point. in the cold, they're like, man, it, it stayed there and it just stayed there. And I was like, so I was glad, but it reacted a lot more. Absolutely. Mm, I felt like my when my eyelids slammed shut, I, and I got kind of screwed because it was like he hit me, and it was with the Mark IV, the little canister. I had the Mark IX, no big well, deal. Well, like he hit me. <laughs> he hit me, and it, like, I went to turn around, and he's like, no, that was only half the spray. Pulls out the big nine and goes, and fogs me, and then he said, now okay. look at me. Okay, you had it way worse than I did. Never mind. I know, you're, I know you're about to burn me. So so, I, get it on the inside I had to throw it out there. You know how it is, because they're like, what do you want? They're like, it's going to hurt either way. I was like, the nine. And then, like, I see it, but that little stream, though, looked very, very concentrated. So I was like, am I really losing out? Like, but no, that bad Larry hit me, and I, for, like, there's, like, an iota of time. I was like, just for a scotch. I was like... <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. I'm the one in whatever, you know, thousandth they said was was immune to it. And I was like, "It's this is when I'm shining. And then, it's no, I wasn't shining. I was burning. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. I wasn't having it. And I was just like, wow, I got to do this course. And I felt bad because, like, some people, like, you know, they just they missed it by, like, a second. 
like the thing. Like, you could, <laughs> but but they're waiting on their buddy for like the buddy take bound maneuvers. And I was just like, oh man, it's bad. I'd probably beat that guy to death. <laughs> <laughs> I will kill him. I'd be so mad if I was like, I'll kill him through I mean? the pads, bro. Yeah, that was some that was some wild stuff. I remember walking so that I could like walk into the breeze, what little breeze there was, because it was like so relieving. And then when I would turn around to walk with the breeze, I would like hyperventilate and be like, "Dude, you got to keep breathing. Just breathe in and breathe out." Like I'm saying this in my head. There was there was a guy a class before us that I guess blew his toe off with a shotgun. He said he'd rather blow his other one off. I guess was the yeah, thing again. Then, again with it. I don't know about and that. I was like, that's that's a bit. It's a bit drastic. I don't know. It's been pulled People out in like screaming. bar fights though in Jacksonville that I've been partaking in. One time and it. as soon as I hear oh. that they're pulling it out or see it, mm-hmm. God forbid you get the smell in your nose. Like it's just terrifying. I'd run. I think I would run from OC canister quicker than I would run from somebody with weapon. Can can so. can confirm. I think it's more. <laughs> I honestly think. It's a little more humane to shoot somebody. I think maybe. so too. I think so. If you don't believe me, I just you know. It's got know. finality to it, and then you can fix it. And oh yeah, we drank the bar. We drank that Northwest Annex bar dry that night. I didn't go out that night. I passed out face down on my air no. conditioner, and my roommate Chavez went back and got straight into the shower. Oof, bold move, Cotton. <laughs> it drifts right down to and the he, right down where it's brown. It's going. And he uh, he paid double for that action. Yeah, I heard him scream like this blood curdling scream, and I just figured that the water burned him. Maybe it was too hot or something. No, no, he ran it down. Although his chest was like beet red, and then That's on, bad on to down. Go. Yeah, that was a bad time for him. Old Chavez, Eric Chavez, shout out. Um, okay, so. Fast, okay, then you're at fast. you got a pretty good element, leadership element. You're training a Amazing. lot. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we were training all the time. I was learning a, I was a, I was learning a bunch of stuff. I, I try to be that like that sponge. You, 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 you needed to learn something, like, new every day. Mm-hmm. You needed to. Like, that. that's, that's like, I don't know, that should always kind of be your objective wherever you're at is to try to better yourself, try to learn something to to apply you know what i mean absolutely so it was uh that's always been a big thing for me and and i think a lot of that again was like inspired by that leadership that encouraged those like i understand like you know the zero defect mentality uh and sometimes that really did hinder a lot of you know hinders a lot of people's growth Mm -hmm. and these guys encouraged you to you know try something different try something new see you know see why this doesn't work Mm -hmm. you know you learned by making mistakes, you learn by, you know, but it was all in training. And that was where it was okay to make them. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just, they fostered a learning environment. Everything was a teachable moment. It was great. And it seemed like everyone around you was just, like, that was the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great That's a great operational environment to be in. And I've been in those environments. And then I've also had the, you know, displeasure of being in environments where, it was, you know, the antithesis of that. And then you, when you're wanting it, you can't get it from anywhere. Right. It's depressing. But uh, so you have a great element. What 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 kind of deployments you did with uh, do with fast? Uh, did one of their Bahrain ones, mm-hmm. and then uh, did a couple of JSTs on those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys, if they call that. 
OASTs, Armed Service Transport. It's not JSTs. Okay. JSTs yeah. are Joint Service Transcripts. Okay. Yeah, and you, so, yeah, I know that one. You don't need those. Yeah, yeah, not there. You, you shut the Desert Dome up there in, uh, in Bahrain down. Oh, absolutely. And then at one point when we were leaving, we got extended for like two more months and we'd already moved out. So we were living in the bowling alley. Oh, good. In that little gym in the back. It was quite cool. We just sneak in there and like slide down the lunch trays and whatnot. <laughs> yep. Solid. Yeah, like that. Just, just being being good Americans. I love it. Patriotic patriotic Marines and Hellraisers. So you leave to you leave uh Fast Company to go where? Uh, two four. Yeah, two four. Check. Yep, two, and four. where are they at in rotation? They just got back from Afghan, and they were in the middle of a workup for an alleged another Afghan appointment, which is why I was like, sweet. Mm. We're going. Uh, we hit the 31st Mew. And did you go there with? Did you go there with guys from your fast platoon? Did you at least have a couple buddies um, going with you, or did you go by yourself? No, actually, a uh, couple, a couple people, a couple people uh, came with us. So really, the I think the construct was most of the married lads were uh, brought down here to Lejeune to be a shorter move for like them and the wives. I guess is they did it. Uh, if you were an NCO and you were single, I think you were sent to Hawaii because some some guys went that way, or maybe. Yeah, I think that was the way that construct went. And then the rest of us, yeah, was uh, off to the 5th Marines. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so do you walk into the same operational environment at your at your company there as you leave? Yeah, so fast? it was wonderful. Um, <coughs> it was, it was, it was great. Those guys were definitely locked on. You know, given they just got back, they are fresh on it. They had an amazing insight where, like, you know, a lot of my squalors report were, like, OIF guys. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hear a lot about, you know, what what worked in OEF. So, like, now I'm learning new ways to do things as well. A uh, bunch of fresh perspectives on, like, what's currently happening. Like, this is what just just worked, just went down. Right. Uh, and they were, yes, they were, they were fiercely passionate about everything they were doing and I loved it. I fell back into it. I noticed like, yeah, there's not as much ammo here. You don't do it, but what you didn't make up with that, you made up with like time you sent your guys in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And then that was like, cause I was a fire team leader in fast company. It, different. Cause you're like trying to lead your peers. Cause you came there all the same. You grew up together and then going and like now learning to be a fire team leader in a line company. Man, that was mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And talk about the differences in that a little bit deeper. I don't know. I'd say le- being able to lead your peers was definitely harder because like, you guys are such on an even keel. You know, they're following you now out of more because you know what you're doing better. Maybe because you're older. Sometimes I think I was picked because I was kind of the older guy of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, obviously not like retrospectively, not like super old, but um, yeah, that's uh, it was different there because you know you get your your younger guys and your fire team are all you know privates and PFCs, mm-hmm. so you're a corporal. Obviously, they understand there's a rank structure as opposed to like 
They're like, okay, I'm following this guy because he knows what he's doing and he's been doing it for a while. I suppose mm-hmm. your peers are like, we've done everything the same. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. more of a leadership challenge learning to like work with your peers, but it benefited me in the long run. Yeah. Because I learned like a lot about, well, at that time I learned a lot about it. There's just always plenty to learn about it. I don't have, I don't have the answers or everything, but mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. And so, and so though you don't have the same budget, the training's going down, the white space training's going down, we're making up for it. And you start a whole rotation to go back into Afghanistan. And this time as a fire team leader, but they go, well, we went to the 31st Mew instead. Okay. They changed that deployment. Uh, but yeah, I was a fire team leader, uh, in first platoon, uh, I'm old squad leader Lentz and the other two team leaders were Ryan and Whitney. Uh, man, yeah, I learned a lot from them and I learned a lot from the squad, the other two squad leaders, you know, they, uh, one of them came from another company. He was an Ohio guy, Schwab. Uh, and then second, second squads guy was, uh, now Nathan Nowman. And I learned a lot from them too. Uh, that was, they had a lot of cool perspectives just being in different companies and being in different areas. So, mm. Everything was, again, like everything was kind of like a real teachable moment. They they worked through with things like, oh, you know, you might not understand this battle drill. Here's how here's how we do it here. And I was kind of learning because obviously fast coming, you don't get the, the actual like infantry stuff. You don't do a lot of it. Like mm. our command was good about it. Towards the end when they knew we were leaving, they did like a transitioning back into this is how it's going to be here. Check. And then these guys helped me refine that. And that paid dividends later on when, like, it was, you know, when I left from, like, the Andock and those things, you know, they're looking for how proficient you proficient are you as an infantryman. So, like, they helped refine those skills later on. And that was, like, that. that's where a lot of that came to fruition later. But, uh, you know, it's, that was, like, their impact. That was my first understanding of, like, the, the, the actual line companies mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's definitely got its own psychology i, uh, I loved it yeah it, it's me too and so where do we go after the mew uh we got back and then a buddy of mine uh alex rodriguez we were looking we saw screeners for um the dot coming up you know and I was like, man, you know, this year we're going to do, you know, might might build to be a squad leader, you know, might, you know, see what the next step is here. And it's like, you know, you hear, you always hear rumors like you're going to get rebooted in snipers, you're, you know, you're going to have a, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're going to have a bad time or whatever. Um, well, I was like, all right, well, this is, you know, the time to try it. So me and him, we tried out. Uh, so that's, that's where that took me next. And uh, I kind of never like looked back because that was, that was my goal in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll go train for it. And, and had you been seeking that out because it was still a goal or did it by happenstance, you stumble upon that they needed some people to run it? The, so I had no understanding at the time when they run screeners, I had no idea to the system of it. I was actually just like getting established in a line company first. I was still like, learning as much skills as I can as a rifleman and just, you know, refining that. And then, uh, by, by the time that popped up, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I felt good enough to go have those skills tested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know exactly when. Check. I mean, 
how did you find out about the screener? Like, oh, they post flyers. They put a bunch of different things out. It's like a uh, read board somewhere. Yeah, sometimes they put you know flyers outside the PX, flyers around the the barracks, everywhere. Contact information, you know. Go talk to somebody, weapons company. Be like, hey, where's this at? They'd be all over the battalion CPs. Like we, you know, we'd put them generally everywhere. And I, I think you know anywhere around that area, the sixty-two area. Some of them, you know, put them all over. Some people put them at the gym. Sure, sure. Over. sure, sure. And okay, so take me through that. I want to know uh, for the people that don't know, and I don't know a lot about it. I've never been through it. Tell me about the indoc. Uh, basically what that consists of and what they're looking for. Uh, and you probably know a lot more of the behind the scenes now, but uh, kick into that. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So each, each index is like kind of different. Um, there are some that, you know, there's like book boards. There's other ones where you're doing like actual events, you know, some are a couple of days long, some are a couple of weeks, some are longer. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are just, constantly you know like it's we always used to say you know it's easy to get in it's harder to stay into those platoons because you're you should you're constantly you know be constantly getting tested you'd be constantly evaluating yourself and evaluating the platoon um mine happened to be like a week or so um and it was really just like you know a lot of it was basic skills you know that's what you can evaluate like I had the misconception. It's like, well, I got to learn as much stuff about, you know, sniping and Mm -hmm. whatever else, you Mm -hmm. know, that I had, you know, conception wise before getting there. I was like, oh, this is what I got to learn to get there. Like, well, we can't evaluate on this here. You don't know anything about it. We know you don't. Sure. What do you know about, you know, machine guns? What do you know about rucking call for fire? What do you know about radios? Like, it was just like basic things that you should know. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were tested on that. A lot of land nav. It's a good time. Uh, a lot of PT, I assume. Yeah. Now, did they have you swim? Um, I think we were meant to swim, but the pool in the Mateo was like either closed or Recon had it, one of the two. So we didn't swim that day. There's tons of running though. All the running. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of all, all of it. It was all, <laughs> all, the all of it that was available. Yeah, all available running, all the fast <laughs> legs, all the heavy legs, as many legs as you can imagine. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> I remember. So I had silly and dog story. I got uh, I ended up with walking pneumonia. Good. Um, I during your indoc? Yes. Good. Yeah. I I passed out. And I pissed myself. That's what woke me up. <laughs> and I still, like, so, like, I injured my leg really bad to the point that I had to splint my leg. And I came hobbling down. So we were doing land nav. And I, like, made this splint for my leg out of, like, you know, some of my shit and, like, this pole. And I come, like, hobbling down the truck. The kid's like, do you want to get in the truck? You know, I'm not spelling Dorito, like D-O-R. I was like, it's not happening. If I get in this truck, I fail. I'm like, I'm not getting in that truck. Uh-huh. So, like, I hobbled my ass back. Uh-huh. I, like, come up. I'm like, all right. I'm like, what's next? You know what I mean? <laughs> I got all my points. I was jazzed about it. <laughs> smelled, hard. Like, smelled like piss. Yeah, like, definitely definitely ran hard that day. And I was just can, like. Can you explain to me why you passed out? Exhaustion. 
Just, just we getting were, after it I so mean, hard just, yeah, going like, down. That's what I loved about it. It was like you were just literally... You, it was one of those things, and sometimes you need those reminders every now and again, one of those things that your people always forget that your your body's going to quit before your mind. Mm. And sometimes we lay back on your mind quitting first for most things. But I realized, like, yeah, there's that threshold, and I've pushed this. We can push it again. Mm-hmm. And my body just stopped before my mind did. You know, that's why I passed out. Pneumonia had something to do with it. I imagine I would try to so. ruck a little bit. <laughs> Are you rucking weight on this nav? Uh, this yeah. There's general like your like general items. I think that might have even fit either like probably in a day pack. It probably didn't require like a major nothing major heavy. Ruck. They did. I I know they tried to keep like a decent load on you, but I don't think it was anything like absurd or right. anything like noteworthy. Sure. And and so was this in doc knowing what you know now, and we'll get we'll get into the you know the formal school, but. Was this in doc a good preparation uh, psychologically for what was to come for you? Uh, like going through the formal school or going into one of the platoons? I'm not sure which came first. It was spectacular for it. I mean, because I like you. You felt like there was always something you could fail at in in doc, and when you're at the school, you. I always feel like there's something you can constantly fail. Like it's something you can always go home for. And it is a big mental game. Everything is mental. And that's, that's something where we, at least in the platoons I've been in and, and all the rest, we looked for really the biggest thing were guys that were like just mentally strong. Mm-hmm. You can make a body stronger, but not if, only if it, only if you, if they want to do it, if they want to be better. Mm-hmm. So I'd always look for those people that had heart. They had, you know, they're mentally strong mm-hmm. and, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for people that didn't know what quitting was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that definitely, you know, pays dividends in the end. It's, it did for us. Absolutely. I think in any situation it does. And so, okay, so end doc, you get through, you pass with fine colors, I assume, with this. Uh, uh so this they up leg. they were going into the night land nav, and they told me I wasn't allowed to train anymore. They're like, no, like your leg is messed up. I'm like, and like, what was it? The knee? Was it a? Uh, there was like something going on between like my knee, my IT band, and something else. Uh, it's like the the one of the one of the ligaments in my leg. It was like a constant problem. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of physical therapy on it, but I was like, I was like, honestly, I was like, man, I was like, I was asking, I was like, well, when's your next in doc? Cause I was like, I'm not quitting, mm-hmm. but they told me I couldn't train anymore. And I took that as, okay, well I wanted to know when the next one is. So I could come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did their nightland nav and they did like a mock mission, I guess is what went down afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they got a call. They're like, "Hey, you're gonna come in for your final interview." I was like, "Oh, like I do? I'm doing that." And they took me, and I was like, "Mind blown, dude!" It was like, so I, they were accepting you even though you were banged up, couldn't complete that last stop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so. They didn't have to, obviously, but they're just like, "Yeah, like you, you have heart. You've displayed it. Like you obviously want to be here. Like <laughs> you didn't quit. You didn't get in the truck." Mm-hmm, you made your mm-hmm. you made your time and who was running the indoc like who were my leadership yeah leadership wise um i don't know if i can use their names no there. no like uh so was this 
sniper and internal unit snipers running oh yes yes this was uh this was this was platoon driven within the battalion uh battalion level leadership running it i mean that's that's pretty standard for Mm -hmm. you know your 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 platoon you know they put it on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. check and so what happens next yeah, I uh, like. Does it go back to training as normal until a school comes around, or do you go into? You do kind of at at times you have like platoon level training, like level tasks you need to accomplish. So like you'll you'll do some of the basics. You know you'll you'll start to learn you know some shooting. You'll start to learn some land nav stalking. You'll go over certain things like big three. You know people don't do too well at. But you know. you're in a sniper platoon now, though. Yes, once yeah, you're okay, once check. you're selected. Okay, sorry. Yeah, once 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 you pass the indoc, you're in the platoon. You know, um, you're you start learning those those skills. Um, you know, sometimes they you know send you a couple of different schools, like just some things to get under your belt, see how well you do with those. Mm. Um, yeah, you start you start learning the ins and outs. You, you start doing missions. Uh, yeah, we we did a workup. Uh, and then we went to we went on the Mew again. And you're a corporal at this point? Uh no. So I I was a corporal at the end dock and then I picked up sergeant when I was in the platoon. Sure. So I pretty much like once I picked up sergeant until I got out, I that whole time was spent, you know, doing stuff in the sniper community. Check. Check. Okay, so first platoon, now you're working up go from there first platoon so you're with your first sniper platoon right? oh yes at the, at the time okay yes uh we did the work up so we went uh did a lot of good stuff there we uh they sent me to <laughs> they sent me to hearst which i was like super relieved it was here on the or well they're on the west coast at the time because i had a platoon sergeant beforehand that they're like you got this new platoon sergeant but he's at hearst he'll come see you he hit a tree <laughs> Like, broke half the bones inside of his body. I was like... Oh, good. Yeah. That, wanna, that was your experience with Hearst. That was my idea when they were like, you're going to Hearst. And I was like, what did I do wrong? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to... I went to... I went to Hearst on the, the West Coast. So I guess I wasn't, you know, like a, a, a jerk. Uh, and I went with uh, my other three buddies. And uh, Alex Rodriguez still were there with me. Another guy, like the guy that me and him were in uh, the line company together. Same uh-huh. company. Joker. Um, and him and yeah, Dylan Story and Shane Wood. It was all it was all four of us there at Hearst. That was fun. Now explain for people who don't understand what Hearst is, what the school is, what it's based on, and oh, uh, why it would be good to Hearst. I guess. Well, so Hearst is like helicopter rope suspension techniques. I think is if I remember the acronym correctly. Sounds right. And um, they. <laughs> It's beneficial in the sense that you you learn and certify that you can fast rope people in in terms of like an insert method, and then there's like spy rigging for extract. Um, not that I've I can't think of I I've never aside from doing spy rigging there at the schoolhouse I I don't know when that's applied to the last people. It's a fun thing to do, but I don't know the last sure. time anyone's technically did it myself. Sure, um, but it was it was a it was a good course to have because. When a rappel tire came up or, you know, I was attached to, you know, more often than not, the company that was a heel company. So that mm-hmm. benefited me because I could work and integrate well with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I could mm-hmm. fill in if they needed Hearst Masters. And that also just like company integration, 
running the company through those kinds of things. So I was like, helped you be an enabler with the company, which I, I think that kind of helps too. Absolutely. Like, always having a good rapport with those people you work with. Yeah. And adding another resource or asset to you. Yeah. Given that you need it. I actually liked, uh, I actually liked fast roping. Now I didn't go to Hearst Masters, but in fast uh, during during uh, advanced urban combat uh, school in I think it was Chesapeake. Yeah, it was Chesapeake. Um, yep. We did dual entry and we got to play with I think they were sea stallions. They came in for the Coast Guard to facilitate training, you know, trying yeah. to help out. And so we got to do a lot of fast roping and I like I like that a lot. I yeah. didn't get to learn the knots. You guys go through over a lot of knots in Hearst, right? My Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the knots. All the all of them. All of them. <laughs> We were just talking about water tape knots the other day, and those used to beat me up. And, yeah. like, it didn't help. You know, I was, like, a, a buck 20 soaking wet. Easily. Easily. Solid muscle. 120. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you're coming to, like, put tension on ropes at the time, and it's, like, I'm really, like, giving as much tension as I can. And then, like, one of the instructors, he was also a 2-4 guy, r- amazing guy, uh, very knowledgeable. His name was, you know, uh, Ricketts. He was probably, like, six seven. And like two and a half of me, <laughs> he could put some tension. So to he'd it. like just like step on it, like one <laughs> leg, just absolutely take all the tension out of it. And he's like, "Yeah, you need a little more tension on this." I'm like, "I just can't. I just don't have." I'm this. trying. To do, uh, look, <laughs> so they, you know, obviously they understood, but yeah, that was, man, yeah, those are all the, those are some times. Good training. So, yeah, it was good training. Good training. It was good training. I always used it. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do a lot of her stuff. We do a lot of fast ripping. Yeah, a lot of actually that, that that whole workup and on deployment we did it. We were just in Japan doing fast rip stuff. They do elevators on the ship. They'd put a little elevator down. You'd fast rip off that thing. Like yeah, we did a couple runs with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I was kind of actually now I think about it, out of mount normally. Now you said, uh, you say you're attached to a helicopter company. So is it safe to say you did the helo dunking exercises as well? Yes, but even when I was in a line company first, I was in a track company and I did the track dunker. was actually my first introduction to going upside down underwater. Yeah, explain that Explain that to the viewers. I enjoyed it. I was that guy that was like, here we go. You know what I mean? We're going to do it. But at, the thing was, I think the thing I liked about it was I would like close my eyes and I'd like wait. I would just like to sit because I'm, I'm like fairly comfortable underwater. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not like... I'm not swimzilla. Like, I'll finish the thing by my own pace. Uh, but you're not afraid of it. No. And I like I love it because I'd like kind of go upside down and I just waited for all the new people. I would open my eyes and just watch everyone freaking out. Yeah, I think that was like what I was like really partial to. And then like you know someone's like the instructor's making sure you're not you're like making sure you're not in shock. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like no, I'm just like watching everyone hang out. I'm like it's cool. Like check it out. <laughs> uh, I want to see what you see. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting thing. I think my my first rollover trainer was actually the Humvee ones. Yeah, that sucks. Do you remember that with like mm-hmm. the the ammo? <laughs> like you're like get in, and you're like everything looks good in here. There's like fire extinguisher on your foot. Oh yeah, and then it rolls over and hits you in the chin. It's made of foam, <laughs> but you're also like, well, okay, yeah, now I get it. Like, <laughs> which I don't strap know. things down. And those would be the cleanest Humvees you'd ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, compared to what you're packing in country, yeah, uh, so much stuff to fuck you up in an explosion inside of a truck. Probably all of it. All of it. Yeah, hundred percent. So, at what point do you do you go to school? 
So 2014 was the first time I went to school. Uh, and at the time, my ex-wife had my ex-kid as well. So I went home. I wasn't even there a week. I wasn't doing good on land nav anyway. And it was just like, yeah, your kid's being born. So I went home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went back in 2015 and after the deployment. And it was so much better in that sense because I had just, I hadn't been in the platoon for probably less than four months when they were trying to send me. And I know some guys, like, I met kids, they'd be like, I was in platoon for a week. And then they went and passed. I don't know how you do it. That's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I'm, you know, I don't have that capacity. <laughs> yeah. So you had a little um, extra time to. I learned. I I learned what I learned uh, there, and I did. I learned a lot. But it's you know, school isn't somewhere you should be learning something entirely new. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of more of an evaluation of what you picked up in your platoon. And you know, when I went back the second time, it was like I was so I was ready. Like I had amazing leadership. Those guys like wouldn't have been able to do without them mm-hmm. like 100% like I was probably over overly annoying always asking them questions and asking about wind probably 600 times a day like they probably still think about it <laughs> is yeah you talk about during school no this is even like before the, 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 this is before the whole lead up to it and the okay. workout when I had that extra chance and I was like they're like you're going back and I was like okay like you know, after deployment, but I was always asking questions, especially towards like the end before I went, but I went there and stayed there, never went home. I was married at the time. I didn't, I didn't really go home during the week at all. I wouldn't do it. I was like, they're like, stay in the environment, like Mm -hmm. immerse yourself, be like, that is all you care about. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's what I did. And the attrition rate at this school is what? Stupid high, right? Depending on the schoolhouse. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I think the average is like, I don't know, 50 or 60%. I know there's like some courses that you might have a higher one and then other ones you just have like an absurdly low one. Like Mm -hmm. that first one I went to in 2014, I think had two or three graduates. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated with 12. I think we started with 32 or 34, somewhere around there. Like we had a decent, decent sized class. Sure. And where was your school? Uh, I was in Pendleton. So you go, time number two, pass with flying colors. Flying colors, I passed. <laughs> passed. Now, what was the hardest place, the hardest spot of school? I know a lot of people it's, say stalking. And I had a lot of, I, so I did have a, a lot of stocks before I went to school because I did like a couple unit pre-sniper thing packages we did in there. And then like our regimental thing ran a couple. Mm-hmm. So stalking wasn't necessarily that I would have really like I super struggled with. Um, it's all probably like the mental stuff of like there's something to fail every week, even mm-hmm. if it's something you knew a hundred times. Like that extra added level of stress. Um, and when you say that, are you at this school? Are you constantly being evaluated? Is that what you're saying? Everything, at, at everything that you do from from, from first open to close. Yeah. Open and close. It's probably like the one thing about it that's really you gotta like kind of like re- really comfortable with is just being like yes, everything you can do, everything's every single thing's like a great event. Mm-hmm. Yep, I loved it. And that's interaction between peers, comrades, 
leadership. I don't know how much weight peer reviews have anymore, if at all. I don't know. Not to get like too much into the weeds or politics mm-hmm. on that. Um, but I know, you know, at some points that carries weight. Yeah, they do daily peer reviews. I know, isn't it uh, TBS that's heavy on peer reviews for their Ranger. for their process? Ranger School too. Ranger School, and too. I think soft training as well. I liked it because personality wise, it's nice because like even we we look at some you know some docs you do, you're looking for personality because you you're going to be working in a small number of people, tight knit for a while, and mm. you know it helps to have a personality that you know as a team player, someone gets along with everybody. So personality was another thing you look for in someone. If they're not a team player, I don't you know it doesn't really matter you know what you can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're not playing with a team, we don't, we don't need you. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. Check. So graduate, you pass the school and come back to your your parent unit, and what happens next? Uh, I left to a task force in Bahrain. Okay. Yep. For a year. <laughs> no fun. Just back to Bahrain, and you'd already seen that and got that t shirt. Yeah. 140 fucking degrees. It's boring. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I met a really, actually, okay, it was a boring time in terms of the, the work. Like, mm-hmm. I might go talk to Fast Company DMs. We did a couple exchanges with some, some other Partner Four stuff. Very small. But it was nice in the sense of the people I met there Mm -hmm. really good infantry Marines, really a lot of good Marines from other MOSs that I never would have interacted with. And it was cool to see another side of the Marine Corps. One thing I picked up from one of the guys I mentioned earlier, Nauman was like, he's like, Oh, I don't want to do every one of each type of deployment. The Marine Corps had to offer, you know, Muse, UDPs and combat deployment, Mm -hmm. see them all. Um, that was what spurred me leaving a seventh as well. Um, I left that task force, after a year it was it was helpful uh having the command on my side there to leave as well for like because i was like literally where do you want to go and i was like i want to go seventh marine so like where i was like three seven <laughs> i asked for it mm-hmm. it's funny because every other unit i've ever pcs anywhere being on the inbound roster i've never had a higher up you know reach out to me about coming there mm-hmm. but our sergeant major sergeant major hampton reached out to us and he was like hey like I see you're checking in at 3-7, like, you know, I know guys see that on their orders and they want to find other alternatives. I was like, no, I asked to come here. So, like, and he was he was actually there, like, to, like, show me around and stuff. It was amazing. Wow. Like, that guy was, yeah, great impression, mm. honestly, like, through mm-hmm. and through. That guy was all, that was a good sergeant. That's where it's at. Yeah. That's where it's at. So you check in and then, they're in the, where are they at in the cycle? Um, and did you research that prior to, or was it going to be three seven regardless of where they were? Um, I had my heart always set on Seventh Marines. Seventh Marines. It didn't matter where I was, whether I met one in Fast Company, whether I met somebody in Fifth Marines that that came from Seventh. Because I had a lot of I met guys from three seven, old three four guys. I met all types of people from Seventh Marines, and I didn't have a heap of exposure to East Coast Marines, but it was anytime anybody said you're from seventh Marines, people just looked at you differently. Mm-hmm. People interacted with you differently. It was like, this guy knows what they're doing. Like this guy had great training. This guy 
generally they're always locked on. Mm-hmm. I never really met too many guys from, you know, seventh Marines in that time that were ever really like messed up, you know? Um, so I was like, yep. Well, that, that whole time I was gone, we got to see, cause we saw everything CENTCOM was doing. That was part of what we did on that task force. And I was like, I saw what two seven did. I saw what three seven did. Mm-hmm. It was like, kind of a disparity between you know what you know what each unit was able to do and i was like codified definitely solidified the decision i was like three seven yeah so uh they just got back and i just got back like i don't know you guys got what, what month what month what they got back in like april and i checked in like in april so we oh, okay. we, we got back at the same time uh, so I landed right when their work was starting. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. And you're a sergeant at this point? Yes. Yep. Coming in to 7th. All right. We'll go from there. Yep. Uh, checked in. Man, it was great because it was, it was the first time in a long time where we had more than like two hogs in the platoon. There's a, there's a bunch. We had, we had a bunch of good dudes. What do you mean when you say that? Um... So most of the platoons I've been in, some of them, like, the most actual hogs we had in the platoon would probably be sometimes, like, maximum of, like, three or four. I mean, when you say hog for the layman, what does S- that mean? School-trained scout snipers. Sure. Um, yeah, there was, it was difficult because, you know, sometimes there's not always school allocation. Sometimes guys just don't pass. Mm-hmm. Um, guys aren't ready when they go, whatever the reason is. Um because I know some guys, you know, PCS, they can get, you know, pull guys over real quick to places. Um, I've seen units with 15 in them, you know, there's like units with a lot of hogs in them. Um, but I was just, you know, the ones I was in were most of these guys were either leaving or we just didn't have a lot coming in. Or, mm-hmm. uh, or we guys, you know, some guys were just, yeah, not, no, yeah, probably just not passing. Right. Uh, we got a, so we had a couple guys leaving, and then it was ended up being me staying. We just sent a guy to school. He passed and came back, and then uh, we had our platoon sergeant come in. So it was brand-new leadership across the board. Um, and then we kind of just, yeah, started building a platoon up. Yeah. Like we started started fresh as, as those, like, senior guys were kind of checking out, moving on. A couple of them stuck around, um, and we just kind of got ready. We didn't know exactly where we were going. We know we were doing CENTCOM. Uh, it was either Afghanistan or Iraq, I think, was like the only two options at the time. And then uh, Syria hit the docket. We were like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I left off to the advanced course, uh, knocked that out, came back. We sent as many of our guys from the teams to different, uh, as many different schools as they could get. You know, like we, we loved plusing those guys out. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and then uh, workup was a smash, like absolute, absolute good time. Like no, like I've never done or been part of a workup as you guys would do it. So can you give me the down and dirty on what what that what that looks like? Um, outside of what a regular grunt workup would be, or is it or is it a lot a lot alike? It's there's like certain like you're still doing you know the various level tasks without. Without maybe like telling too much about what we do for training, because I don't sure. like putting a lot of that out there, but 
we have our kind of like qual, qual, crawl, walk, run kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do work your individual skills and you slowly like kind of work, um, you know, like being a good radio guy. You know, you're going to learn some radio stuff on your own individually. You're going to get better at that. Then you start tying into how that works into, you know, when you're doing something, then you're going to, you know, you might end up teaching that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about learning schools and then spreading that knowledge. And you right. do that kind of like everyone broke up individually. You're back as a team. Now you're working as a platoon. Now you're working with a company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Long and short of it. Mm-hmm. And so you guys, I assume there's a lot of training within direct fires too because you guys support yep. uh you know, forward observer kind of activity. And from your vantage point, typically on the battlefield, that's something that you can utilize. Is it? Uh, yeah, we do. I mean, that's like our biggest thing being a supporting asset, uh, would be, yeah. Like the fire thing, you know, we, we do a lot of handoffs with things. I, I lucked out again. I had, I think it's, you know, I had an all star platoon, I'd say team because I had, you know, everyone in my team was an NCO. I had the senior JFO in the battalion as my fires guy, I had the senior RO in the battalion as my radio operator. Like, like you know, two very you know proficient guys have been in the infantry for a while that you know had a bunch of different skill sets like all my guys were solid yeah. and then we ended up getting a corpsman later so we recovered there too um but yeah it was team ran itself but it was like fires everyone got time on learning it if there's any fires exercise we were in the same company so like run through weapons company but like oh 81s is going somewhere if there was extra rounds or anything to do, they'd let our guys fire it. Like it was, it was nice. Like, oh it was yeah, like really easy, kind of like real symbiotic relationship there. They're getting their time firing. We're getting you know rounds in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was, it was nice. Yeah, and so time comes up. What's what's the decision? Is it Syria? Is it Afghanistan? Uh, my team ended up going to Syria, and this was honestly it was something between. <laughs> We went to platoon sergeant talk about it a lot of times. I kind of had like some leeway uh, for where I wanted to go or where I wanted our team to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we put team one went to Afghan, uh, team three went to Iraq, and then we, we pushed ours to uh, Syria. And then I think we actually the guys were supposed to they were supposed to go to Iraq and going back to Kuwait we didn't give that company a sniper team they didn't get along with them so, gotcha yeah so your element ends up in Syria yes and the other element ends up in Afghanistan yes and the last element was in Kuwait that was it check and you are attaching to Marines here um no, this was like something new for us in the construct. It was we we're attaching to uh, the Green Berets. Okay, and uh, I mean that was like our first like long term interaction with them. Um, they obviously they have their school trained guys. They have their tier one snipers. So like mm-hmm. they kind of have like a capability that we already kind of like had. So it mm-hmm. was like where you get in uh, here. Where do you fit that tempo? You know, it was easier to kind of fit in for some of the other weapons and molasses between, you know, 52s, especially, you know, 41s, easy mix. Um, we had, you know, we were working at 308s. They have, you know, 300 wind mags, you know, they're starting with, you know, they did have some sasses, you know, they had some 308, you know, rifles and they weren't going to use them, the distances mm-hmm. we were dealing with. Uh, 
I found my niche with the, the sasser. That was like the one thing they just weren't all about. And I was like, okay, well, I like this one, so that's good. <laughs> um, I had an old, my old chief scout was like very adamant about the sasser. He did some amazing work with it. And it was like, he came up with his own constructs for like wind and things that I got to apply and test. And I was like, man, like this, like I, I called him afterwards and I was telling him about it. I was like, dude, like everything you said worked. Like your formula works. Uh, great guy. You know, I attribute everything I, I knew, learned, learned about the SAS product to him um, and, and my other buddy, my old team leader, but not to go in that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we got attached to the Green Berets. Uh, at first I was up just kind of like monitoring weird uh, interactions with like Russians. It was like, mm. uh, I was at an oil field. It was, uh, was there for like a month before I got pulled down to another spot where the, the fight was more oriented towards like ISIS. Mm-hmm. Um, it took like a month to get me down there. The ODA guys ended up having to like request us because our like CEO didn't want me going down there first. Well, who did you fall under at that point then? Uh, I think I want to say Taycon still belonged to the army and it was weird because you were an SP mag half asset, your battalion, but your company commander didn't really have a say so much with certain things as like the ODA did. Mm-hmm. Because you were you were definitely in direct support of them, of them. Mm-hmm. And so once so they get a request, then they're shooting you down there. You were living with them, so you're, yeah. Once they once they're like, hey, well, okay, well, we want this guy down here. They got me down there because uh, they do have like they have like. I guess whatever their construct is, there are guys that went to a formal school for it. And then there are guys that went to like some other, almost like having a certificate. I don't know mm-hmm. enough about it to articulate that well, but they go to those, those courses. So they wanted like a school trained guy down there. Mm-hmm. And my platoon sergeant was down there, but he wasn't operating in that capacity right then. Uh, so they brought me down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was like that fulfilled yeah. there. And then you have a mission there, or is this just added security? Um, they started integrating us into missions. I was able to get out, start doing some reconnaissance, um, going down. Like we would hit the flaw with them uh, and look. Uh, sometimes I would go drop rounds with the mortarmen. Other times I would sit, just get my spotting scope out, start looking for, you know, any, any signs of activity, whatever it might've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, found a couple yeah, key, uh, key positions. You'd see their flags, you know, off in the distance. You, you might identify some, uh, you know, their logistics hubs. You'd see like, they put sandbags in windows, you know, like build their positions. Like, okay, this is like a four by building here. Uh, get grids to it, and then just use it for targeting later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was like the first. That was, that was some of the stuff they started integrating us with, and then uh, then we'd start doing stuff. We'd go out at night. We'd you know set up the sassers. We'd get on the thermals. Uh, they you know we'd call mortars in. They they'd send up a couple of different devices, or, or we'd you know just do you know some shooting with the sassers or or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and on. At this time, are you supporting other missions that are going across the flot, or is this is this really recon and probe and and that kind of work? Uh, at the time, I think more the so we were our deployment for the most part was, was it was pretty pretty steady in terms of like we were going out. We do like those kind of fire style missions, 
but also like with the observation wasn't towards the end because they were still pushing and clearing other parts. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of in that holding pattern, like in a a more defensive posture. And it was like maintaining and and establishing that. Um, The end is when that changed. That's when uh, dynamic changed because the last place they had to go was where we were defending. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of, yeah, that that would have been the, the big major shift. But before that, it was just regular, you know, yeah, we were just, defensive operations going down there trying to reduce obstacles uh whatever might be actionable intel they were working a lot with you know the partner forces supporting mm-hmm. them and then we would fall in on that mission go help support them whatever it was mm-hmm, with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh convoys whatever check and as you integrated with um the army was that seamless or did it take some proving did it yes was it was it parochial attitudes in the beginning and you kind of had to um it was team dependent between that and uh you know depending on what they, they all had their, they both had their own approaches to it like in terms of how they were going to integrate us and to what capacity um but you know aside from that they're all you know they're all really you know they're all good about it. We uh, we did a little more with some teams than the other ones because you know depending on what what their operational needs were. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was easier working with you know one or the other. But it's you know not here to say anything bad about the team. So not bad per se, but uh, it can be challenging. In, in my opinion, I've had to integrate in different teams, teams that you know. Uh, teams that you don't know and when you're ever you're you're integrating into uh, a new environment a new team you're going to have parochial attitudes you're going to have that kind of thing and not that we deal with that on a negative uh, consistently it can be just as much a you know a positive thing make 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 you know opposite teams keep their shit quick let's say Um, but did you deal with any of that with them you said your transitions with these guys were pretty good the the transitions were good. So, like, we had, like, the first place I showed up, we had a very short rip. I think it was, you could measure it in hours, you wow. know. Like, we hit there 2-7 and just, you know, they got there not long before that. Just established. I mean, I think, you know, they might have had sectors of fires, no range guard even yet. Like, they just showed up and there was, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, the base hadn't been cleared. Uh, I know they had, like, hidden ID prior to that, like, nothing nothing on there was clear so you like watch where you're going still on on like the base alone mm-hmm. uh, a little wherever we're at and it was like uh that was the rip so like the other part of it was you weren't just doing a rip with them you're, you're doing the rip with like the oda team that you know they'd been there for a while already so like they're towards kind of towards like the end of their deployment as well so they had their battle rhythm that whole time with how they're doing things and then the following on this. So yeah, there's like a growing pain between there's, you know, disparity between experience of doing that over this time. Then, okay, these these guys, he get them into the fold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we blended very quickly into their battle rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was also because we had, you know, prior knowledge before we were leaving about kind of what we might be getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, we were able to incorporate some of that into the training later on. So sure. 
like I think we already knew we were gonna get into like maybe using one twenties and stuff like that. So training it up on it. I think so. I want to say they might have trained up on it. I don't know if they actually got hands on with them, but I think they trained up on them. It wasn't the first they were thinking about. It's what you're saying, right? Check. And so contextually, now you have forces that are north of you guys that are uh, crossing the flot, driving the enemy, and then kind of pushing down towards your like ultimately where you guys are at. Yes. Is that, is that am I tracking that right? Yes. And so, do you notice that as those guys are coming down? Are you doing missions to interdict, uh, like, those those routes? Or is it more, like you said, you're still stationary defensive? Uh, we had our sector, and then we had, like, a place that we'd occupy, like, a, a little bit further south every now and again, uh, on and off. Now it actually rotate between a couple different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing necessarily we did was initially, I wouldn't call it interdiction, Um you know, we might inhibit movement, but I went, we weren't necessarily wrapping anyone up or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to an extent, it just depended. Most of the time, we would only operate only so far south because we did have the support of, like, another team down that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as forces pulled south, we had more forces over there so we didn't necessarily have to do as, as much uh for the first part of it until things kind of like till you know till the end because uh, they started drawing drawing some of them further south but they started pulling some positions down what do you um, mean by you're just talking about south of your position well at one point the like the sdf positions like just broke down when I guess Hodgin, like, they started trying to... They did this big breakout. Uh-huh. And, like, a a bunch of the flop broke. And I thought they... Was that when they shut Munson down? So they, they like, shut down these positions, like, ahead of time, started pulling people back in. Uh, we were on that the list. The SDF? Yeah, they completely just broke. They they left. Like, a lot of... Even the positions up by us, they just, they just broke. Uh-huh. Uh... So our convo, our base ended up getting cut off. Um, like our convoy, it's funny, one of our buddies, like our convoy was coming in because mm-hmm. uh, we were in our, our middle of our rip by this time at the end of the deployment. And it was, you know, half of three, four was there, half of us are here and like they're leaving. And it was like our last operating bits. And uh, we, yeah, we got, we got, our last convoy to come get us got cut off. So we were kind of cut off for like three days. Uh, it was, and that's when like all like the big time mortars, uh, anti-aircraft and uh, a couple like homemade one Oh fives starts slamming this little base we had. Mm. Um, that was after like, that was after that flop broke. That and was you're like, at the base still cut off. Yes. Yeah. Um, after, and we had like we had a lot of air support. And can we unpack that at least a little bit for a second? Like, so how does that how does that happen? Um, man. So there's we almost had. So there's like part of this was like a river. It's a dry riverbed IDP camp. We had the Euphrates. This side of the Euphrates was owned by the Russians. So mm-hmm. that wasn't an evac route. Mm-hmm. Halfway between, like, north of Green Village, there's there other parts of, like, northern Hodgin that were open. 
that wasn't entirely clear. People people were there. Um, and then that side of the flot that wasn't, you know, part of that, it was only that, that part, you know, cut off real easy. And uh, our buddy came in on the convoy, and he was like, oh, yeah, we remember seeing your base. And we could see the convoy off in the distance. Mm-hmm. But just beyond that, like, closer <clears throat> was, uh, you know, partner forces and everyone fighting it out. And then they just kind of, like, had to get turned around and came back, like, you know, three days later. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a fun three days. It's uh, a little yeah. saucy. Oh, it was good. It was, it was a good three days. Um, busy. Uh, we had a V-bid roll up one time. That was interesting. Uh, Bike or, or vehicle? Uh, it was a vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, man, and uh, we had a javelin smashed it, like, absolutely. Now, was this part of your write-up? Was, was that the one you were fixing? Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was... <sighs> got stuck in the sand anyway. Like, it was, like, 700 meters away. Uh, his first missile went off uh, and, like, a couple hundred meters away from us just blew up almost parallel with our position like oh, hit a malfunction mm-hmm. never seen one malfunction like that before I was like oh man so then Tyler getting another one up I started shooting and then you know another uh, machine gunner of ours uh, Brown opened up with, with a, the M2 on it as well mm. and I was shooting Ralphus um, he was shooting I want to say he was shooting API and we didn't get any sympathetic debts off of it. And I was like, man, wait, where's this buried? <laughs> mm. <laughs> how how low are you going to shoot? And then... And what are, you, are you broadside or are you aiming at the block? No, I'm, what are you I'm at? right on him. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, was, yeah, like literally direct there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just plugged between like window hole and, and you know, like the front of the engine. I was, I was kind of shooting, you know, back down. If maybe it was like towards the trunk, I was just putting a, a couple of different wires on a spread. I don't think I'd have the trajectory on it. And I was actually like, you know, way better the way it turned out. Cause that second missile <laughs> came off. It didn't malfunction. No, it was flawless. I actually, it was, it was a catastrophic, you know, catastrophic detonation. Like, you know, we drove just past that on the way out. And like, there's nothing resembled a car that was left there. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. crazy. I still, I got a video that I'll show you. Like, oh yeah. It was, it was good. Yeah. So, Man, that's wild. That's wild, man. That's wild. We, uh, we, me, at least in my career, I didn't face SV bids, at least at close range that were that were coming to me. But heard about them, read about them, know about them, and that's a that's a scary threat. They they tested us a lot, though. I I think uh, it was interesting because we would get either random reports from locals, remember things all the time. There, you know, there were SV bid factories around us. There were, you know, quote unquote, they would say this and. You know, it did look like something out of Mad Max. You know, I was waiting for Mel Gibson to pop up. I was going to give him one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they uh, no, it was uh, it was interesting. You know, it, it you know looked like what you would think it would look like. It was very it was very odd, uh, mm-hmm. very front heavy. But they uh, they used to tell us all the time one was coming. I think they'd gauge our reaction. You know, and you know depending on, you know, see what you would do and, mm. you know, which ways were they thought were fortified. And they honestly, I guess, I think it came from, like, the worst position. The one they, you know, a lot of what they would have seen from their angle, we probably would have saw them out there observing from it. So 
that's the way they came in from, and it was like the worst worst possible route. Mm-hmm. Seemed the furthest coming, so mm-hmm. kind of knew they were coming in. They had you know at least two two M twos on them, at least. So yeah, yeah. Poor decision. Poor decision. And do you think that it was the enemy that was uh, releasing reports that they were going to hit you guys on a daily to test your test your reflexes? Is that what you're saying? Or uh, it was odd because I think some of it, we always had various intel saying that, like coming mm-hmm. in there, whether it was, whether it was from you know humid, someone walking up to the gate, you know, to the SDF, or you know, coming from somewhere that there's always a VBID coming. And were you co-located with the SDF, or was this? Uh, they would probably be, if anything, in our recording, like they'd be, there was always like a separation between us and, and, you know, ISIS, they kind of define the flot. So there'd be uh, some, it depended because our, our base fluctuated in size at times and in, in some way shape, because we do different berms and, uh, we would facilitate some of them, but they weren't. It's too too close. There's always you know like a a couple buildings between us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anybody that's not tracking the SDF is the Syrian Democratic Forces, correct? Yes. And your ISIS. I don't think we have to kind of break that down. Um, and when he's talking about the flot, that's the forward line of troops. Correct. Uh, just to fill you in on some of the jargon, I know as we go to talk about it, if I was to stop every single time that there's an acronym, and to be honest with you, if you've watched some of the episodes, there's times that I don't know the acronym, and so I kind of have to kind of figure that out. So those are the ones that are in uh, use right now, and just want to make that clear, and we can jump back into it. So um, interesting there. So you say that's three days before that convoy is able to get back to you guys. And in that three days, is that spicy the entire way? Like, are they coming yes. down on you guys pretty hard? Uh, it was, it would always be like, you know, most, most of the time it would kind of die down when the sun went down. Uh, but it was like sun up, you know, it was going to happen. Uh, it'd be like a random order. You know, we, we do a lot of counter battery. Mm-hmm, would it be, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much sun up to, almost sundown pretty much is, is when it dwindled down. Uh, what ranges are these guys keeping on you when they're actually trying to decisively engage? They real, real, real. Nah, most of them it had to have been pretty far. I mean, probably decent far away. I mean, sometimes I think the closest position that had broke was like seven or 800, but mm-hmm. to put them in a decent range. I mean, some of them were, were closer if they were like using like the IDP camps that was like the hard thing because some of their, some of the assets we had would pick up where like things were being transmitted from, mm-hmm. and so like sometimes that was like a radio or something that whatever signal they're picking up a couple hundred meters away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so aside from that, I'm not sure unless we had like poo site locations. Mm-hmm. You mean, were you guys using um, like drone assets and things like that to be able to at least get aerial? Not to get into too big of like tactics, Uh we we, our drone use specifically was limited in some cases. Some units were using them, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like the partner force would sometimes just shoot them down, or they would. uh, We were told not to use them because of certain abilities that could be hacked in them, okay, and information that could be you know taken. And then uh, there were other times we used drones for foing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for fires, but mm-hmm. 
and, and that's to my extent. We had like G boss capabilities and uh, uh, ISR capabilities, sometimes armed, sometimes not. But I know that for us, even in our battle rhythm, it was nice to be able, especially if we're closing on a group that's moving away from us, it was nice to be able to have that, you know, eye upstairs to be like tracking, you know, the, for big, this, the bigger picture for us. For the, uh, during this this portion we had we had a lot of air assets mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i honestly i don't think i've ever seen so much air in my life even even the time before that like you just see a c-130 come work the area or get a couple of fast mirrors come in drop drop a couple of j dams like it was always always something going on like Wild it was always times. a spectacle mm-hmm. like even before lead up during that like we got a lot of air mm-hmm, like we had mm-hmm. a lot uh Got it. We had a good couple of simos on a building. Like it was, it was nice. Mm-hmm, I was like wow. Mm-hmm. So like we, realistically, we just we had everything kind of at our disposal. Mm-hmm. So. And you calling? Are you able to control no. any of this? Or you no, got you no, got another? No, no. Well, people more eminently more qualified than I am. You had people that. in in the detachment for that. I assume that that's yeah, their specific were, expertise, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's another great thing uh, we can bring up and talk about later. But one of my big jabs uh, at, at, let's say, big Marine Corps is that if you're going to have a squad fight and you're going to have ROEs in place that state that that squad can't receive fires on their own authority, then you better make sure that the schools are available and the slots are filled to make sure that those squads have everything they need to be able to to answer and release ordinance. Right. And because uh, more than once that happened to us, whereas like because of the type of control or schooling or no schooling, you can't trust that I need fires kind of thing. And, and SF does not have that issue. They always have, you know, people for, I was, for that. I was surprised actually. I mean, one of the, one of the guys were sitting down there talking about like the targeting authority that you have as even at like some of their levels, like what a captain is capable of approving in relation, like what that would be approval in other places. Like it would take like a, a Lieutenant Colonel or a Colonel to approve and this captains, it would approve missions like that. And I was like, what an amazing amount of trust and confidence they put in their officers for sure. And that, that was like, Whoa, like this is, this is different. Like that was, that was quite cool. Sitting down and having that. It's amazing. And then the question that I would have is how, how many thousands or more dollars are of education and training are in that one captain at that level to be able to have the authority. And I'm assuming that it's more than a, you know, a level one JTAC course. I'm, I'm sure that. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot to it. <laughs> Beyond. For, Anything beyond anything ever done, so for sure, for right. sure. Yeah, and but that gives them an, an incredible capability, and you know, next to precision accuracy, to somebody that that that's their. Let's talk about perp- that. Their sole purpose is to be right. good at that. Right, and their um, specialization is is really what that's that's their thing. That's mm-hmm. what they're good at. That's mm-hmm. what they know. Um, what an asset to have. Um, yeah, so that's awesome, and and. Any more takeaways or, or, or uh, key things, especially I'd like to maybe hear about this shot that we talked about at the beginning uh, when you're hitting a, hitting a dude at a click plus is fucking <laughs> impressive, bro. 
and you could call it luck. It was uh, luck. You yeah, could call it luck all luck. you want, but there's uh, the luck only take you so far. In a, yeah, in a, luck took a lot on that one. In a click plus you shot. You still got to get it close. Yeah. Okay, so build me up on the, build the rest of it. Yeah, build me up um, on how this is even like what's, you know, as much as you can, what's going on contextually to even allow uh, for this. Yeah. So we were, it was one of the days we were just uh, taking a lot of IDF that day. Um, like a good amount. It was actually the day a uh, good buddy of ours uh, was wounded, Frazier, as long as another Marine from 3-4, and then later on another guy in the team, uh, all from the same blast. Uh, ID or? No, it was a homemade 105 mm. came down uh, in the center and, like, smashed this part of the compound, like, sent shrapnel 100 meters and hit the only kid that was taking cover. <laughs> The one kid that was taking cover got hit. And then the other kid that got hit from 3-4 was also inside taking cover. And his, like, shoulders exposed in the window. And then the other guy was, like, literally, like, right next to it. I didn't think he made it out of it. And I was like, oh, my God. So we were like, wow, all right, nope. So it was, uh, that was an interesting one. Like, everything just disappeared into mm. the into the dust. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Me and, the and this other. is inside inside your cop, yeah, so yeah. right in the center. Uh, so then it was uh, we'd already seen this guy, kind of like bobbing back and forth. Looked like he was on a radio. We always got a lot of signals, I guess, from over there. Um, so we'd seen him. He was, you know, it's that that activity. It's like, alright, this guy's observing these impacts coming in. He's just on the other side, and then. Uh, he jumped on a motorcycle and he started like dipping out. And my first shot, I already had him, at, you know, I had it ranged at 1100 and I shot. And then I was like, you know, I saw it dip low as he was taking off. Well, I'd been looking at this area for like at least five and a half, six months at this time. I had a range card for it. Mm-hmm, I, was like, mm-hmm. I knew where he was going to be at the curve of the road. And I was like, okay, I got on there. I knew that was the only direction he was going to go. <laughs> like, would you just go? You dope in on the curve? Yeah, I knew where it was. I, I I knew where to hold. I knew where I was going. I was like, okay, that's that that's the fine point and luck, dude. Like, what's the range of the curve? Shot, like fourteen forty. <laughs> it's like pure <laughs> luck. Just like smash the side of it. Like my EOD tech, the dude that was spotting, was just like, holy shit! <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. What'd you do? I do. I like, couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that's a long enough shot. And no, you I ride, saw it. You yeah. brought your recoil all the way back and then watch? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, yeah. Was, and we were, that was the thing is like, we were still taking incoming on our end. Yeah. So that's why I was like, normally what we were doing was like, we'd shoot and then it was like, okay, you'd start hearing the fins and you're like, it's getting close. And like, you'd kind of like duck down for a second. And then it got to a point where it was like, instead of running back under like the awning or something, it's like, no, I'm just gonna like stay here, man. Like it's, it's like, and like that that like became kind of the mentality. It was just like, all right, here comes another one. The the anti aircraft stuff was interesting looking. Like it was like looked like little sparklers. Really, it was so cool looking. Yeah, we had actually had like the the ODAs like Sergeant Major was there, and he was he was a you know he's a medic. So like we literally like medically were. We were pretty well off in terms of dudes that were mm. experienced in treating stuff. So we, we locked out there, but he was like, don't look directly at that shit. He's like, he's like, it was cause it was on prompts. 
season finale, it said Pepper's out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's blind you. I was like, okay. So I like, <laughs> kind of like, okay, look. Um, what do you want me to do with my eyes? It's, it's, it's kind of cool. Though. But, uh, yeah, man, that was... So like, so walk me through I'm not a sniper. I'm never claimed to be. I love guns. Love doing my part of things, you know, with a little M4. But walk me and the rest of the viewers, if you don't mind, through uh you know, the mechanics of a shot like this. You know, the viewers aren't all snipers. I'm not a sniper and you don't have to break down trigonometry, but as far <laughs> as emotions, uh I know there's a lot of intimacy with snipers. Uh, seemingly, to me, it seems like there would be intimacy more than, say, kicking a door in and then there's a chance contact that you, you're you watching somebody, you're studying somebody. Sometimes, like you're saying, you're watching this area for six months. <laughs> you get to know these people's routine. You get to know their rhythms. This helped us a couple times, yeah. And, and, you know, even in this situation now, you've watched it so much as to know, okay, boom, I'm a little short, and, and this comes to your field craft and your training and, and your experience, but then you know, boom, I know where he's going, I'm pushing back, got my hold, and there's so many fundamental blocks of making a shot to even possess enough accuracy to catch some luck and get a hit. You say it's luck. I, I, no, it I would is, argue that, it's, that, like, it, that uh, there's a lot of skill involved by, as well. By the math, there's – by math – there's a lot of luck to that, mm-hmm. just mathematically, because you got to do like three times, you know, fourteen, and that would give you basically the the radial spread in like feet of where or in inches, sorry, of where that round could have went, and still be within just the mechanical like capacity of that weapon system. Mm-hmm. So there's an insane amount of luck involved there. Okay, but let's talk about the insane amount of skill that comes. It was with it. There are there, not to get mathematical. I don't. I'm not going to talk anything formula related. But it's like there are formulas for movers. There are formulas for things you can do for that. And then a lot of it comes down to like just getting used to doing movers. And a lot of that's like thankful, like the types of quals we had mm-hmm. when I was at, you know, the basic course and the advanced course, like, especially the advanced course beyond was like an amazing amount of movers. Like you're shooting sprinters and stuff like the quals were great. Mm-hmm. Never had, you know, as many moving quals as that. And that was like, you got pretty good at it. And then you practice those things in your unit. My platoon sergeant taught me some cool things, like how to shoot movers. And then like, just came down to getting used to it and... Shot movers. <laughs> so. Check. And, okay, so you said that shot, you're able to pull the trigger, rounds away, you ride the recoil back up, and can you see vapor trails, no. or you're just waiting on impact or no just, impact? I, I caught splash of the Ralphus, went off, and then bikes down in dust cloud, like, and then you're like, I was like, I was, I was dumbfounded. Shit. I was dumbfounded. And like, I not, the dude just started, was just like, Oh my God. The, the spotter. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, what? I was, dude, I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, Oh my God. And then everything else out of that was kind of blurry. Like a lot of stuff after that's blurry. Yeah. Uh, like that was like the effects from like the, the, a lot of the concussive stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And then kind of took over after that. So like, there's like a part parts even like the next day going into that V bid stuff. Like everything after after that was like there was like a lot of concussive stuff catching up. For sure. For sure. And uh, and and so how do you get out of this three days? Finally, they break back through to support you guys up. Um, like how's the story in there? There was so I guess I mean we must have enough air and support coming in because I mean. Oh, man, our mortar room were just kicking ass. Those guys, there's an artillery detachment, mortars, like, man, everything was firing in different directions, like, mm-hmm. literally. And then between that and their support, uh, yeah, I just I broke them back. Uh, the SDF got some control back in the area. We were able to get uh, ground back out, and they, they literally just, like, everything, you know, that's not tied down at first was, like, the plan. Like, they are just trying to figure out routes to get us out. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they were to get the wounded out. We had a helicopter come in uh, at night, and they, uh, other than that, yeah, they finally got a ground evac the, the next day out. We left, and then we, you know, that was us leaving. It was, like, the end of deployment. That was it, huh? Yeah. We got extended. So it wasn't days. like you ripped out. You you hauled ass out. and. Uh, we Well, that was part of our rip. I mean, but people stay at your at the cop that you no, were ripping out of. No, or they that just kinda... was they were no, they were as soon as we left there, they broke that down and left broke too. Back. That was the last of it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't stay. That was, I guess they that was like a big risk assessment where they were like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, mm-hmm. like this could have ended. So was, I don't know, like the big wigs weren't really too too jazzed how that panned out. So I guess they they cut that one down. Yeah, I yeah. Think they kind of reinforced like other places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, when you're talking about TDG and something for you guys that are out there right now, and squad leaders, uh, squad leaders, team leaders getting on here, uh, run that TDG. Here you are, you're about to be evac'd, and you're cut off now for three days, and the enemy's going to hammer it down on you. When you talk about TDGs, you need to think about worst case scenario, and it's kind of like the Dakota Meyer story, right? He he says he TDG'd, but. He said, even when trying to build the worst possible scenario to make these games on in my head, I could have never imagined something like this. And, and that's one of those situations that you're not thinking about happening. You're not thinking that that's going to come down. And um, and I think, you know, your story especially is one great example of, you know, that's exactly why the fuck you think like that. You turn the map around. What would you do to inflict max pain? and uh and start there so that's awesome so hey man we're gonna close this i think we've been going on it for a hot minute now and i appreciate it man i appreciate all the knowledge and i'm sure the guys out there are going to and you know at the matt you got anything first up you're all set nope i'm good matt's good uh a lot of times you know at the end of the episode i like i like to give you the guests you know a chance to speak to the hitters speak to the guys right now that are out there that um you know, our training up, our, our peacetime Marines, and uh, and what do you got for them? What's a message to send out to them? Never get comfortable. Never get comfortable where you're at because, you know, the second you do that, you, you start relaxing your dreams. You start relaxing what you stop, like, you know, what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, being uncomfortable, you know, that's part of growth. You, you know, you grow from from that you know mentally and physically you know you're not 
you're not going to really, you know, exceed who you were yesterday if you just rest on those laurels. Uh, Mm -hmm. So just always, you know, have a goal, have a path, and keep after it. You don't know what the next conflict's going to be or when it's going to be. And I used to tell these kids all the time, you know, when I was in, you know, two, four, these kids are, oh, we're going on through first mu and. So, you know, if you heard anything about the 31st Mew, both times, you know, 2-4 went to Iraq and 04 and 06, uh, they were on the 31st Mew. <laughs> I was like, guys, like, this is, you know, it can switch so quickly. Do not get lost in mentality that it's peacetime. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's plenty of places. Like, you know, you start <clears throat> laxing, it's, it's not the mentality to have. Yeah, cliche, but complacency kills. Right. And we used to have those signs on every piece of HESCO barrier to every, you know, CP coming in. And to us, it's almost funny walking in like, eh, complacency kills, guys. It becomes kind of like the pun of every joke, but it, it's spot on. And it's cliche for a reason because it's true. Cliche for a reason, yeah, and Murphy doesn't care, so... Uh, he's going to throw it in there at you. Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming out and doing this, man. I look forward to uh, more talks in the future. And, um, and you know, from the bottom of my heart, me and Matt, Choice Not Chances, everybody here. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. All right. All right, guys. Thanks. And, again, if, you, uh, if you've seen something on this cast, any, anything throughout the way that you uh, – that you took away something uh something that needs to be shared with your with your compatriots we ask you to do that push it out anybody that can take something away from it so people helping people again thanks guys we'll see you next time thank you louisiana gun shop your firearm headquarters specializing in concealed carry guns ammo and training you can get your louisiana permit with us also a large selection of ar-15s or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger. We have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Funny.